12, verse 13. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And Rich, can I ask you for a cup of coffee? If there's one in the, I'm dry. Just black, just black. And we got a few others up here that would like one. No, okay. <laughs> Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> Guess I got to get there. Luke 12, let's go to uh, verse 13. Amen. Luke 12, 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Turn that thing. Still in my eye. There we go. That's better. Thanks, man. Blinded by the light. That's my theme for today with these new lights. (laughs) I'm a hot mess, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> Verse 14. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for me for many years. I just added there, sorry. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Check this out. But God said unto him, say the next two words with me. Thou fool. Mm-mm-mm. Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Then, think about that. Then whose shall those things be? Verse 21, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let's keep going here. Unto his disciples. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for neither for they neither sow nor reap, which neither having storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? And of these, and, and, and if ye then be not able to do that thing which is the least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they, they toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. 
and your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Read this verse with me. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Mm -mm -mm. Let's have a word of prayer. Hey, did you guys know it's Miss Tanya's birthday today? Just, did you guys know that? Let's give Miss Tanya a hand. Come on. You thought, you thought I forgot. I was playing it cool up here, like, let's read. No. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, this, this concept, what we're going to talk about today, how Jesus so eloquently put it with his parable and his, his teaching and his life. Father, I pray that it would hit the heart this morning. It's not my words, it's your words. Father, if there be an idle word that doesn't need to be spoken, keep it from me. Speak through me, Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we talked about spiritual thermostats. Spiritual thermostat, and this is week two. We're going to polish this message up and put a bow on it. And hopefully, uh, it will be helpful. You'll be able to um, apply this to your life. And I mean what I said last week in the sense that if you can get this truth, if you can unlock this thought and install this thermostat in your life and in your heart, you'll be better for it. You'll, you'll live a life that is in tune, that is in sync with what God is doing and with what God wants and expects from you. How many of you think that God has expectations for you? How many of you think God has no expectations for you? Okay, most of you know that God has expectations for you. Wouldn't it be nice to have something to calibrate those expectations? Wouldn't it be nice to know that you're hitting the mark or if you're not hitting the mark and how to make that adjustment? Would you like that, yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. So last week we talked about uh, two thermostats, and you'll see it right there, really just however you want to put it, one or two, but money and anxiety. The reason being is in this passage, Jesus brings up, remember in the context, these are his students, those that would like to learn, those that want to know more. How many of you want to know more about Jesus? Come on now, okay. So if that's you, nice fan, Anthony. If that's you, if you're in that position of learning, of, of wanting to receive from Jesus, from the Bible, from Scripture, what it is that you're supposed to do, Joshua and Moses put it this way. Father, teach us, right? God, teach us in the way we must walk and the work we must do. How many of you like it plain and simple? Just tell me where I need to go and what I need to do. Just tell me where I, where I need to go, what time I need to be there, and what I'm supposed to do when I get there. And we talked about that. Some of you like boxes, some of you don't. So whether or not that's you, whether or not you like those restraints around you, um, Paul put it this way, the love of Christ constraineth me. There's a way that we live in the love of God that is the way that Jesus wants us to live because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And then I promise you, you, you are going to receive from the Holy Spirit the fruits from living that life that is Christ-honoring. It will breed peace in your life. It will breed love. I mean, the Bible puts it this way. The fruits of the Spirit are without law, without regulation. 
But the fruits of the Spirit are, right? Fill in the blank. Love, joy, peace, long time, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What does that mean? There's no regulation. When you find yourself in a sweet spot of the Christian life, you are willing to go through just about anything if you're going to go through it with God. And there is no limit or there is no end to the love that he is going to pour out upon you. But, just like in my house, how I discussed that my air conditioning is not working properly at this point. Sometimes we set the thermostat and we ain't in tune with the unit outside. And that unit outside is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And therefore, we talked about in the context of this scripture how there were Pharisees, there were scribes, there were people that were putting a large emphasis on the thermostat itself and not necessarily the the unit that's heating and cooling the house. What do I mean by that? I mean that you can put an emphasis on money and an emphasis on being carefree and not having anxiety, but actually on the inside... You're doing the wrong things with your money. On the inside, you're full of anxiety. People just don't know it. Why? Because this is just the thermostat. What I'm going to tell you this morning, and I encourage you, it is live, it is up. The podcast from last week is the first part to this message where we really talked about money. And then this week, we're going to dive into the second part so that I can actually finish the message. But I encourage you, go back and listen to last week's podcast. You can get it from the website Or if you subscribe to our podcast channel, it'll come to your phone automatically. But the point is, hopefully when we learn that we're calibrating our relationship with God right, these are just signs. They're indicators in your life that that the relationship piece is not quite right with the Lord. And so, in, in danger of saying, and I will be specific today. I'll be very specific about how I feel that you should handle your money, how I feel that you should handle your anxiety. I'm going to give you a, uh, this is what God wants you to do and and do it, right? I'm going to give you that. We're going to have that from the Bible. It's very clear. So I'm going to give that to you today, but for fear that you will make that the end of your faith, I'm challenging you this morning to don't let that be the faith. Let this flow out of your love and relationship that you have with Jesus, okay? All right, so let's jump back in. Once again, all of you that weren't here last week, you're going to make a a promise right now to God before all of your brothers and sisters in Jesus that you're going to go back and listen to week one, okay? All right, good. Now that that's over with, let's jump in. (laughs) We have a warning uh, of greed, a warning. He, he uh, He says, beware, verse 15. Look in the text. And he said to them, take heed, beware of covetousness. So this parable is of this farmer. The farmer was rich. The ground was bringing forth much fruit. He decided, the farmer decided to build bigger barns so that he could continue to maximize every square inch of his property. But the end result of his riches was for himself. Consider the end, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. Number five, we said last week, as soon as his life was set in the physical sense, his spiritual life was called upon by God. So there is a fear of focusing too much on this life for the wrong reasons. And remember that that when this life is squared away at any moment, God, the the rightful judge, could call you home to glory. And then you'll answer as to what you did with what he gave you and allowed you to steward. There is a finite 
There is the finite and there is the infinite. What are you surrounding yourself with? And 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 21 talks about that. What is the end of the matter? What is the end of your riches? What is the end of your retirement? What are your goals? How does that spell out? Consider that thermostat of money. Where your money is is where your heart is. Luke 12, 34, there will your heart be also your riches. The thermostat of finances. Zacchaeus returned and gave above and beyond all, all that he had done wrong to after his conversion. Number two, just like the farmer's land, God is the one allowing the success or failure of your finances. If you're having great success in this parable, in this story, right, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, Jesus is explaining to you that you're stewarding what God is blessing you with. So regardless, if you don't have the right perspective towards the thermostat of your finances, understand this, that God is opening and closing the windows of heaven that is blessing you. Okay? Uh, This is an important test of motives. The nature of money is so scandalous because it can be immediately used for life change and immediately used to bring havoc on your life. So that's that's the review from last week. Look at verse 32. Verse 32, chapter 12, verse 32. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for neither do they sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much the more are ye better than the fowls? If we continue to read on to verse 34, we find the challenge that where our treasure is, there will your heart be also. I want to point this out. That he, he goes from a talk on finances to a talk about anxiety. Verse 22, and he said to his disciples, take no what? Thought for your life. How many of you find it fitting that he goes from talking about finances to talking about anxiety. How many of you can connect with that line of thinking? Man, the rest of y'all are liars. <laughs> no, I'm good. I couldn't buy a cheeseburger this morning and I didn't even think about it. Yeah, right. How many cheeseburgers for breakfast? I do. No, just kidding. The point is, is he's saying take no thought. Take no thought. How do I not think about it? How do I not? I mean, the bank sends me a what? Statement. (laughs) You ever think about that? The word statement. Here's your statement. I mean, we don't think about words anymore, do we? We just take it for granted. This is the declaration of where your finances are. The statement. It speaks for for what? Itself. It speaks for itself. It's a statement. Hey, don't think about that. But see, the farmer was thinking a lot about it, wasn't he? Enough so that he was worried about the continued success. And we talked about this last week, that it wasn't necessarily a what? A bad thing. What was bad was the end result. The end result for him was himself, and God said, you didn't prepare anything toward me. Toward God. So we find this line of thinking that Jesus is trying to explain to us, 
If you're doing right with your finances, then it will lead to a life of less anxiety. So it's hard for me to qualify my statement, follow me on this, when Christians ask prayer for, think about it, and you can go back in your mind towards those sermons that we taught on prayer, Pastor, I need prayer for fill in the blank, and usually it's about anxiety. I don't know about this. This part of my life is uncertain, right? How many of you have ever prayed about uncertain things in your prayer life? When Jesus commanded you not to even take thought about it. But doesn't he care? Of course. That's why he's saying don't think about it. How much the more, if he's going to feed the raven who in its bird brain, see what I did there? (laughs) Anyway, in its bird brain, literally in its makeup is not geared towards storing up. It takes every meal as it comes. Every meal. I think the problem is that we're just spoiled, entitled Americans. That's what I think, personally. Well, that was rude. No, I mean like, me too. Remember, I'm preaching to myself here. I grew up in America. I grew up spoiled. Not like some of (laughs) y'all. Don't judge. I ain't just saying. (laughs) You got a silver spoon somewhere? (laughs) I see it. My point is that they go hand in hand, church. Let me just walk you through. I got to stick to my outline here. We're doing okay. Number one, worry is the enemy of the kingdom of God. Barely touched on it last week. Number one, he said in verse 22, take no thought. Why? Because he's going to land in just a few verses on the fact that you're to seek the kingdom of God. So, so wait a minute, Jesus. You're telling me this story that I'm supposed to live in such a way that moves and operates for the coming kingdom? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're supposed to have a mentality that is towards infinite things, not towards things that are finite. I'm really concerned about what I'm going to wear today. Mm. He says, don't think about that. I mean, think about it enough to actually put clothes on. (laughs) But it's not, it should not be consuming. And Lord knows our wardrobes are color-coded. How, like, how do you reconcile what we do in our day-to-day with what the Bible says? Where's the spiritual thermostat? Well, it's really hard for me to gauge because I'm living in excess. It's really hard for me to know where I'm at, spiritually speaking, because I really don't have to think about my money because i got plenty of it. What do we do with that? And some of y'all are like, I just want to be able to go to Target and not worry about what the bank statement says. (laughs) Mm. But the reality is, is not all of you are there. So it's both sides of the coin here. There's, there's, there's a side that has excess that has to put your faith and even so much the more in an eternal kingdom mentality to direct those resources. And there are those that are worried about it that you know what? You shouldn't be worried about it because God loves you and cares about you and He's going to feed you if He's going to feed the raven. So, so there's two sides to the coin. But here's what I learned in dealing with people. Both. Suffer from anxiety. Both. 
Whether you're the one that doesn't have and the one that does, anxiety can get to you just as easy. You can worry about having just as much as worrying about not having. And, and sometimes in more complex ways than those that don't have don't even realize. Either way, church, worry is the enemy of the kingdom of God. If we were to admit today how many of us spent hours and hours and hours of our week in worry, if we were to admit to that, I think it would not be surprising, but it would maybe shock some, but it wouldn't shock me. Some of us worry about our performance. Jesus said, how many of you in taking thought can add one cubit to your stature? Like, think about that. All right, ready? <laughs> I think I can. I'm going to grow. You ready? <laughs> I'm going to grow. Ready? Y'all try with me. Everybody stand up. Stand up. Come on. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Come on. Come on, y'all. This is a cordless mic. Don't forget. Stand up. Come on. Stand up, Big Rick. You got this. Stand up, Michelle. I see you. All right, we're going to all do it together. Ready? Everybody get your thinking cap on. All right, everybody think, God, make me one inch taller. Are you ready? It's going to be a good exercise. Everybody thinking it? I see some of y'all. You ain't thinking it. And I don't like that. I really don't. All right, ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Think it. Some of y'all thought a little too hard. Easy. (laughs) Y'all been praying this for years. I was the shortest one in my family. Some of y'all are crying. It'll be okay. You may be seated. You know what? Worrying is that silly. It's that silly. How many of you in taking thought can add just this much to your height? I want to buy <laughs> You saw I was looking at you. <laughs> I'm picking on short people. <laughs> How many of you can add? Listen. Excuse me. You can't. We do a funny, silly exercise like that, and y'all are like, he crazy. <laughs> this pastor, he done lost his mind. But that's what Jesus said. How good is it to worry? Worry is the enemy of the kingdom of God. If we would just take worry and anxiety, that's the word we're using, anxiety, and remove it from our lives, things would happen. Number two, our life is bigger than this life. Another principle that that I see here hidden, you know, beneath this story that he was telling, and then for those that wanted to hear it, they heard it, our life is bigger than this life. When God called that farmer's soul to eternity, and he passed away in this physical life, he learned in an instant how much more important the life after was than his three score and ten here on this earth. I wonder what the church of God could do if we had a church full of Christians that had perspective on the fact that their life was bigger than this life. (laughs) Would Jesus have done what he did to purchase your 70 years here on this earth? He made you in God's image. He created you to be a child of God. An eternal being. Do you believe that? 
I feel like sometimes the anxiety that we struggle with is a perspective issue. You worry, 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 and I don't know what's going to happen. And God says, if you would just have a little perspective, if you would just take the lid off of tomorrow, if you would just take the lid off of 24 hours a day, seven days a week, when we get in the mundane and we go, it's a Monday, it's a Wednesday, hump day, I hope I can make it to Friday so that maybe I can have a Saturday. And then here comes Sunday, we got to do it all over again. Y'all are caught up in the finite. You're caught up in the measure. God says, let me tell you about a thermostat. It's a thermostat called anxiety that measures whether or not you're focused on this life or the one to come. And let me explain something to you. Next week, the very next passage of Scripture that we're going to deal with is end times. Jesus is going to give an incredible story. You're not going to want to miss it. I've been studying all week about end time philosophy and mentality and just rehashing what I already believe. Church, it's coming. It's going to happen regardless. And if you could just take a moment to lift the worry, you'll see that there's more than tomorrow. There's eternity. There is eternity. You were not made to be confined to a 24-hour period. Man. Perspective. Number three. God's character is something that should give us rest. We're talking about anxiety here. Really? I mean, I thought my pill would change everything. I feel better. And I'm not, I'm not going against that. You know, if your doctor says you need and do, I, I'm not a doctor. But I know a doctor, the doctor, the physician, who can heal anything. A broken bone just as well as a broken mind. Right? So I, I'm a preacher, remember that. But I say to you, like, think about this. God's character is something that should give us rest. He talks about the raven. Church, he talks about the grass. An object that cannot have a relationship with someone else. An object that was created for a specific purpose that is finite, that will be here today and what? Gone tomorrow. His character shows that he gives such great concern to just the sparrow, even the bird that falls from heaven. Even the grass, even the herbs, every little thing in God's economy, he's aware of it. And we worry, and we worry, and we worry because it's the enemy of the kingdom of God. And if the devil knows, if the enemy knows that he can just get you scared, he's won. So he's got you running. He's got you running in your mind from all of reality when in reality, if we had a clear view of who God is, his character would reveal unto us that we have nothing to worry about. How many of you have rested in God's character this morning? How many of you, when you woke up, you were face to face in the mirror with your creator because you were created in his image? The very image of God. We learned in membership starting point class this morning that the Word became flesh. 
The manifestation of God Himself was placed within the fibers of our being. The way He formed us. The way life is formed. The way we do life. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, what does that mean? Elohim. It's a plural form of God in the Hebrew. It means, in the beginning, God's. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the community of God. Even in God's, in God's being. He is the substance of community. And within, within Himself, a Trinitarian view of God says that God puts an extremely infinite, invaluable price on community and communal living. Your being a creature that has relationships is infinitely valuable. A gift given to you by God and that is shown in His character of who He is. That's what that means. We are made of the same substance. Have you faced that this morning? Have you looked into the perfect law of liberty to observe the fact that He cares about you. Cast your care upon him for he careth for you. Worry is the enemy of the kingdom of God. Our life is bigger than this life, church. God's character is something that should give us rest. I think we're focused too much on our character. How many of you agree with that? We're focused too much on ourselves. I didn't say Man, don't worry about, uh, you know, you guys have got this. My iPad's dying. Forgive me. I didn't say because you're such, such a good employee, because you're so good at your job, don't worry. You'll always have a job. But you know what? That's what we say. That's what we fall what? Back on. What if we truly, I know this is crazy, what if we truly lived in God's power for one day? What would happen? Have you stopped and thought about that? Every day of your life, you've, you've punched a clock in heaven, so to speak, and you thank you, God, for 24 hours. I appreciate that gift, and some of you even pray that. God, today is such a gift. And then you go live that gift out as though it's your resource to live and not something that was given to you by His grace to steward. He said, I gave you my Holy Spirit. Jesus left and said, it's better for you, John 14, that I go away because I'll send another. Someone that will lead you and instruct you in all things. The Holy Spirit. There's not a person, a God on the face of the planet that can impart unto you how to live your life and squeeze every ounce out of it. How many of you feel like there's just something missing from your life? Come on, how many of you feel like that? How many of you feel like there's just something? You can show God. How many of you feel like it? Hey, when was the last time you prayed, Holy Spirit of God, what do I do? Help me make this decision. You know, the point is, is that this is anxiety when looked at from the perspective of God's character, it, worry fades. Worry fades. Because Paul, Philippians 1, 6, this verse just came to mind. I love this verse. Being confident. How many of you lack confidence? You don't have to raise your hand. But in your heart, you just, you lack confidence. 
Paul said it this way, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The, pro- the problem, remember, what is hypocrisy? What is the leaven of the Pharisees? What was the beginning of the chapter about? <laughs> Jesus said, the problem is that you're acting. Stop performing. Anxiety comes from performing. I'll tell you this story. I, uh, I, said, I started singing when I was like six years old. My parents would drag a stool out. My mom would play the guitar. She would drag a stool out from the back and put it behind the pulpit, and I'd stand up on it. Six years old, and I'd start singing in church. And uh, so that began, you know, singing in church my whole life. Well, when I got to college, they had these traveling, you know, singing groups that you would try out for, so on and so forth. I was singing in the hallway one night. I got off work. It was like 1230. And I now he's a friend, but at the time, guy pops out of his room. He's like, hey, bro, you ever thought about trying out for a music group? I'm like, no, because I transferred to this, the school I graduated from. That Bible college, I transferred there as sophomore, so I didn't really know anybody. And I was like, no, no, I'm cool, I'm good. He's like, well, there's, a, there's this one group I'm in. I mean, there's a couple girls in it. I'm like, all right, I'm cool, I'm down. Let's, where do I go? <laughs> that works. One of the two girls was my wife, is my wife today, which is funny. Uh, it's amazing the way God works things out for his good. So I joined that group, then that got me up in chapel singing, and then, hey, you should try out for tour, blah, blah, blah. One thing led to another. I ended up in a quartet traveling for a summer singing. Well, this specific group <laughs> was responsible for singing at the national conference in the summer. So I'm like, no, I didn't really want to sign up for that. But they're like, oh, no, no, we really like that one song, uh, Jesus, the one and only. Yeah, yeah. Who's got that solo? Oh, yeah, Robinson does. Oh, and it starts with me on the piano. I mean, it's just piano and me singing this song. And I'm like, how many people that night? And they're like, yeah, about 10,000. 8,000 there and 2,000 abroad via, you know, like the screens that they watched. The technology wasn't quite like YouTube at the time, but... I'm like, <laughs> see, I'll never forget. Like, I'm like this spotlight. I remember it like just like it was yesterday. The spotlight and the piano's playing. Who's born? Son of God, son of man. <laughs> I can barely get a note out. I was so nervous. And if you've ever experienced that type of anxiety that comes quick, It literally takes your breath away. And if you know anything about singing, one of the most important things is what? Breathing. And I'm all, who's born? I wanted, I wanted so bad. And back then, I know this is hard to believe, like I was very introverted. I'm serious. (laughs) I don't appreciate the way y'all treat me. (laughs) I was very introverted. And, like, I just, I didn't have that confidence, none of that. But I wanted, looking back, I'm like, man, I just want to go back. I just want to go back there and have that moment again. But I experienced moment after moment after moment like that. And each one built me to the place where today, not to say I wouldn't have anxiety or get nervous, but I would feel comfortable walking onto a stage like that and singing and because I'm doing it for the right reasons and I would want to connect with the people, so on and so forth. But... 
The point of the story is that performance breeds anxiety. And I just wonder that maybe there's somebody in here this morning that can relate. Maybe you haven't lived one day in your job without performing. Maybe you haven't lived one day in your marriage without it being a performance. Just a thought. Have we just gotten past that point where we don't even ask God to do it for us and he's just back here. The Bible says we grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit. And he's like back here going, we could do this. I can help you have a marriage that's anxiety free because I'll help you say the right thing to your spouse. I'll help you at your job I'll give you favor in such a way like you've never experienced before. But there's, there's a qualification. I have to get the glory. I have to get the praise. Because that's how the gospel is spread. Do you want to live in your anxiety? Or do you want to live in Jesus' victory? Anxiety and worry can be prioritized in your life. Go to James. James chapter 4, verse 13. James chapter 4, verse 13. Listen to this. Listen to the way this is worded here. Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. Say this next question with me. For what is your life? Stop right there. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. Watch this. For that ye ought to say. So what, what they just said is not good. Yeah, we're going to go in the city. We're going to buy and sell. And we're going to make a little money. We'll stay there for a year. Uh-uh-uh. This is how you should say it. If the Lord, what's the next word? Stop right there. We shall live and do this or that. Here's what I want to help you with this morning. Listen to this very carefully. I don't know that anxiety has been broken down any plainer than in the text right here. It's this. Anxiety and worry can be prioritized out of your life. That's what I see in the text. The problem is we're saying we're going to go do X, Y, Z. And James says, whoa, 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 whoa. As a Christian, here's how you should appropriately phrase it and live it. Because the qualifying factor is you don't know if you have what? Tomorrow. Oh, that just scares me. Oh, my goodness. I don't know that I can take it. Tomorrow could be my last day. You're right. It could. So we're going to say it this way from here on out. You ready, church? Hey, if the Lord what? Will. Boom. Done. You can prioritize anxiety and worry and stress right out of your life. If the Lord will. Now, I'm not talking about like the 
you know, those that have been saying this for their whole life and they're still worrying about it. If the Lord will, now let's talk about it. <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind of person who just gives it to the Lord. We all know those, right? Oh, just give it to God. <laughs> she going to get hers. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying legitimately, listen, church, if, don't say it that way, James says, say it this way, if, <laughs> if I crack myself up sometimes, ah, if the Lord what? Will. Anxiety and worry can be prioritized. Number two, let God do God things. Let God be what? True and every man a liar. Oh, no, that's not what I said. Why don't we just let God be what? True. Y'all, it's going to be okay. I've been around the block now enough to know that it's going to work itself out. Why didn't you do 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 Watch. If the Lord what? Will. Now I move. I'll make decisions as he what? Leads. But that takes time to develop that spirit relationship. We see that in Paul. There had to be a season where he went and learned. Even in Jesus himself, a season of developing in the desert, Moses. This is a learned behavior as a Christian. The Bible puts it this way, sanctification, the process of being set apart. You're not, yes, you're justified, but you're not glorified yet. You're not in your eternal state. So therefore, it's a what? process church we have to get to the point where we prioritize god over those worries it sounds so simple doesn't it but it's profound because i hear people make that mistake all the time these are my what plans i think it's god's will let god do things that are god things in your life and this is where the verse Look, look here. Go back to, to Luke 12. Verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added. Do you see the what? Church, stay with me. The priority. Do you see your priorities? So at this point in the message, you need to pull up and ask yourself, maybe I'm prioritizing anxiety into my life. Maybe I'm putting anxiety there. Maybe I feel the need to worry. And that's where I get what I need. I operate best under pressure. So I'm going to put the pressure and I'm going to prioritize all of my eating and the way I'm going to dress and my house and my relationships. I'm going to put all those things in front of my relationship with God. And therefore, I'm going to be successful at all of those things first. But you see, the kingdom of God works the opposite. It's radical. It means the way you think about it, chances are, it's the what? Opposite. So I'm going to ask you this morning. You need to prioritize God first. Go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Quickly, I don't have much time. Psalm 23. I just want to read you something. I found this very encouraging along this line of thinking. Of thinking that, that God is to be prioritized first. Well, well, here's why. 
You know this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. He, what is the next two words? Stop right there. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He, he leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will worry all the way to the point that I die. I will be scared every day. Every day I will wake up. Every time the lights go out at night, I'm going to have anxiety. Is that what he said? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Take no thought. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's the problem. You're being the shepherd instead of the sheep. That's the problem. Let me tell you a few of these things here today, church. There is no bigger fool, MacArthur says, than he who does not prepare for the life to come. The anecdote, the antidote rather, to foolish sinful, materialistic greed is to use what God has given us for his glory and for the benefits of others. Take no thought. Here's what this means. Go to the last slide, Jose. Take no thought. Church, these three things, okay? Develop a kingdom plan for your finances that regularly deposits into your eternal inheritance. For us to do this type of living, for us to work out this behavior, I thought of three ways, summing up this passage, that we can do it, okay? Three things, specific things. Considering the story of the farmer from last week's podcast. Considering how he stood before God. Considering how he had already wasted, technically wasted that, even though he made it, right? And then considering these thoughts of anxiety that we have. Three things. Number one, develop a kingdom plan for your finances that regularly deposits into your eternal inheritance. I feel like we don't put into our relationship with God. I feel like we don't make deposits into that eternal kingdom. And because of that, we have no confidence in Jesus. At the end of the day, a freeloader is a freeloader. At the end of the day, someone who is there on the expense of someone else will never understand of what it's like to actually pay the price. When you develop a relationship and a walk with God, I promise you, you will get the most out of it if you funnel towards him. Some people call it tithing. Some people call it faith promise giving. Whatever God leads you to do, as he purposeth in his heart... Be faithful to it and do it. You say, I've never given a dime before. I've never given anything to church. Start. If I can encourage you in the first way, the first story how this was framed is that that farmer, at that point, his soul was required of him. He just went, whoa. I wish 
that I had given him more. The text there, the text there says this, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required. The very next verse says, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself that is not rich toward God. Daniel 12.3, They that turn many, here's what the scripture says, They that turn many to righteousness will shine like the brightness of the stars. Daniel 12.3 says that if your finances have been used to turn those to righteousness, if your finances, according to Luke, have been rich toward God, then you have something to celebrate. You have a retirement in heaven. I promise you eternity is longer than the 10 years that you think you'll spend in Florida. I promise you, if I'm not a faithful pastor to the word of God and I stand up here just and I don't like preaching on money. But if I'm not faithful to tell you, church, you need to develop a plan for your finances and put God first. From there will flow peaceful living. I just, oh, I can't pay my bills. I can't, oh. Have you put God first? Whenever I talk with people about finances, it, and it's beginning to happen more and more, I think just as the church gets bigger, more mature in that sense that, you know, you, you come, you find a home, and you want to seek spiritual guidance and counsel. And I tell a lot of young people this. You're struggling financially. When was the last time you gave? When was the last time you put money in that offering plate? Well, that's because you're worried about getting yours, Pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wish that you could understand that that is not it at all. I've lived the blessings. My wife and I, when we started this church, we didn't have anything. Like, there was no promise of tomorrow. There was us and one other person who's still here and who's still tithing and giving and contributing. It's not about, you see, when you do that, and it's for some of you that have done it, you understand what I'm talking about. When you put God first, you watch him work and do in your life. So therefore, I'm going, look, I'm trying to tell y'all, y'all want to be on my side of the street. Y'all want to be in my shoes, I promise you. Not because, remember, I haven't always been full-time at a church. Nor have I always seen Churches handle money the right way. But that's not our problem. Those people will stand before God. I'll stand before God and answer how I stewarded what God gave us. But the point is, is that you did what was right and you put God first. And if you've ever experienced that, you'll know it's the only way to live. So from a biblical perspective, develop a plan. If you need help doing that, you don't even have to talk to me about it. There are other faithful stewards in here that have been practicing this principle for a long time. And if you're struggling with anxiety, one of the first questions I'm going to ask you is, are you giving faithfully? Number two, develop a kingdom faith that leans into trust and not doubt. We're almost done. Verse 28, if then God so clothed the grass, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Listen, church, 
develop a kingdom plan for your finances, but develop a kingdom faith that leans into trust and not doubt. What do do I mean by that? I mean, when you put God first, God is still going to test you. There is still an enemy. There are still hard times. And we have to understand that sin causes problems in this world. I'm not saying your sin. I'm saying that sin, as long as it exists in the world, things are not going to go perfect. That's why Jesus did what he did, to redeem us from that. But all things in perspective, when you're giving faithfully to God, the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to be tested. Lean into the trust and not into the doubt. It's that simple. Your first knee-jerk reaction when that health problem comes. I mean, we got medical bills right now. It happens. Stuff happens, right? But what am I going to do? Oh, God's not going to take care of this. Oh, you promised. Ah! We can easily lean into doubt. What about this? Ah, it's cool. I trusted God with my finances. I gave them to him. And if God has poverty for me, I'll be happier in my poverty than I would be in my plenty. I've seen plenty of people in plenty unhappy. But I'm going to lean into trust, and I'm going to trust that God has me where he wants me, and that his ways are not my ways, his thoughts are not my thoughts, and that I can be and live my very best life now in the center of his will. You can say that because you followed God, what? First. Number three, develop the sheep behaviors in a world full of wolves. Verse 32, fear not, this is so good, little flock. Jesus says it this at the end of that passage. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'll end on this. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my what? Okay, I shall not. Okay, what's the next part? Beside what? Okay, wait right there. Sheep are scared of running water. Do you know that? Sheep are terrified of running water. That's why the psalmist said, he leads me beside still waters. Church, listen to me. Let's spend more time being sheep and not being wolves. A wolf is defensive. A wolf acts like he's not scared of anything to protect himself. Even though there may be running water in your life right now, God has just commanded you to just be a sheep. And remember that he will lead you by command, by still waters. He said, little flock, We need to work on our sheep-like behaviors. A sheep is defenseless. A sheep can be attacked. It can be killed. It can be devoured. And unfortunately, you live in a culture today where we have to, we have to teach and train our children not to let others take advantage. And not to let people step on you or don't let people talk down to you or I think what we're doing is we're really just trying to convince ourselves that we have to stick up for ourselves. I think that we're so insecure in our relationship with Jesus that we've got ourselves convinced 
that if we don't stick up for ourselves, nobody will. That's not what God has called us to. God has called us to be sheep. And you may be by running water today, but one day he'll lead you beside still waters. He knows when you need that drink. And when you need it, he'll bring you to it. I know it's hard. I'm looking at you today, and some of you, some of you are asleep, and that's okay. But the rest of you are going, I don't know if I can do this. I see it in your face. Even though these lights are really bright, I still see it in your face. You're just like, I only know how to be a wolf. I only know how to defend myself. No one has stuck up for me my whole life. I've fought and I've scrapped and I am what I am because I, 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 I. One of the biggest, most not, maybe not, one of the biggest, if not the most important, most pivotal truth in the Christian life is for you to just be a vulnerable sheep and let God use those moments of being attacked Let God use those moments of life that just beat the snot out of us to show the other wolves that we trust in the shepherd and not our own ability. Spiritual thermostat. Kingdom plan for your finances, kingdom faith that you lean into, and developing sheep-like behaviors in a world that tells you to be the wolf. Every head bowed, every eye closed.